14 of the Hawkcast. Our guest today has played 146 games for the Hawks. He has taken 140 wickets with a best bowling performance of 5 for 13. He doesn't currently call the Hawks home, but there is no doubt of his contributions to Helensvale. Welcome home, Dylan Sheriff. Gilly, hi, mate. G'day. Cole. Dylan. <laughs> Cole. <laughs> Cole. <laughs> um, look, uh, yeah, Jill, thanks, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, yeah, we're, as I said, uh, we're, we're making a bit of a habit of uh, out-of-town guests, having had Ian Wade Parker on the nice. previous episode. And uh, so you're, you've been out west out at St George and uh, dropped into the Gold Coast. Uh, yeah, currently on school holidays with my partner Laura. So um, we're here for two weeks. And uh, the last eight weeks I've been out at St George. It's been good fun. It's been something different. Do you want to tell us like, uh, how you, I guess, came about meeting Laura? I mean, obviously, w- way out west. and uh, So, yeah, St. George is six hours away. Um, my sister works out there, and I went out there to visit Janae for the weekend, and um, I got an Instagram message maybe a couple of weeks before that from Laura saying that she'd really like to meet, meet me and hang out, and, um, yeah, we did, yeah. and um, the rest is history. So one year today that we recorded, so... <laughs> Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's, it's obviously going well, mate. Who would have thought? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the class clown. The, the eternal class clown. <laughs> yes. Settling down. Yes. So very happy to be settled down. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump into, uh, I guess, background and we'll, we'll kind of do a full circle here. But I mean, uh, we'll get back to there, I guess. But um, yeah, background. So were you born here or were you born down south? Born on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, your, your family's from Victoria? So dad's from Victoria, mum's from New South Wales originally. Um, both were very young. Um, yeah, so born on the Gold Coast and I've been here my whole life. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else at the moment. Except St George. Except St George. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's the, what, was, what was growing up like for you, Dill, uh, in terms of cricket, uh, sport? Was there lots of sports? Was it always just cricket? Yeah, it was good. I always had a good family life. Having a younger brother and a younger sister was always good. Someone to play footy with in Liam and cricket. And AFL was a big part of our lives when we were younger. Down at, uh, we'll give a plug, Labrador Junior <laughs> Footy Club. Oh, we, we, we were down there for many years. Um, started my cricketing journey at Southport Labrador. A few people probably don't know that. Um, under 11s and 12s, I think. Uh, played in a grand final and we got flogged. <laughs> there's a few boys that are playing at Mudgy ones now that played against me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sure. Um, and yeah, and then stopped for five years and played footy. And then 17s, I think it was my last year of 17. I was good friends with Brad Carter, Mitch Jorgensen. Uh, from footy. From footy and school. Uh, Corey Dolan, Jake Dolan, and... And Ryan, Ryan Maloney, we were good friends. We used to walk home every other after school. So I was keen to get involved in cricket because I was no good at footy. So, um, and at the start, I was no good at cricket either. So it was a good... <laughs> I think you were a little modest there because uh, we, we played each other when I was over at Coomera still. It might have been the same year. It might have been the year after, but we played each other in second grade. And it you would have been the first you, year. You were the, you were the their gun spinner. It was it was a very quick rise. Something <laughs> meteoric. It was Helmsville. It was a great place to come as a young fellow. It probably still is, but I'll talk about when I was, when I was a young fellow. I come. So my first memories of Helmsville coming down to training. Dan McMahon and Luke Parsons being coached in the seventeens. And what year is this? Ten eleven. Ten eleven. Yeah. Yeah, I was 10 11s when I played you. So. 10 11. And Paso and Maka, I mean, what, what a great uh, uh, introduction. <laughs> so there's a lot of laugh about Paso, but Paso was actually one of my great early mentors, you know, and everyone will laugh about this. Oh, he, he actually he was very caring. He was very caring, and I, I have a fond, fond memory of when I was a young fellow. I'd come to, it would have been my third or fourth training session, and Scott Muller was here. Um, from Dolphins because this was his, young, his junior club where he played seniors here. I don't know that he the played deal. Yeah, briefly. Yeah. And I was bowling seniors. I come to the club just bowling. Seniors. Didn't know what to do because I was, you know, I played when I was young and I thought oh, I just bowl mediums and and bat, see how we go, bat wherever. <laughs> so and I remember bowling and Scott Muller. I'd walk down into my room and Scott Muller said, "Mate, I don't think seam bowling's for you." <laughs> I was like, "Geez, that's geez, that's rough." <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, I've been I've been here for two weeks, mate. Cut me, cut me some slack, but. And when, like, when, you, when an Australian test bowler, though, tells you, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose it wasn't that, it wasn't that good of a test bowler. <laughs> anyway. So um, I, I remember walking back over the nets, and um, I said to Parcel, I said, oh, Scott Marlow said, I'm no good, don't bother bowling seam. And Parcel said, 
you're kidding me. I'm going, I'm going to tell him what for. <laughs> I said, Pazo, 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 don't, okay. don't bother, mate. Don't. How about you teach me how to bowl some spin? And he's like, oh, yeah, I bowl Austin. And, you know, we all know Pazo bowls mixed grill. He bowls a bit of everything. <laughs> so I started bowling Austin with Pazo. And um, did in a, a few games, start off in 17 0 right. And then, you know, as you go, as you get deeper and deeper in cricket, everyone knows you, there's an obsession. And I was just obsessed with bowling Austin. Yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to do it. You know, I think there was bowling restrictions back then too. I think it was 16 overs in a day, and I used to tell umpires that I was 18 so I could bowl more overs. Yeah. And um, I'll probably have to strike that one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> a couple of wins taken off in any <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I would bowl, you know, as many overs as I could in a weekend because I just loved it. And I remember buying uh, online stuff. Like I heard uh, Wybird a couple of weeks back saying that he used to, he watched YouTube videos online. I used to do that as well. I bought ebooks and stuff like that and was reading and learned about all his deliveries. And then I found out after about, oh, half through a season, I can't turn the ball. <laughs> so I'm doing all this stuff. It looks all nice. It's coming out nice. I can't turn it. Not moving. So not moving at all. So I thought, you know, how about I just be as accurate as I can, accurate as I can. And, and back then I bowled a little bit more loop. And I, I remember John White used to keep in second grade and used to say, you, you know, you've got to bowl quicker so I can catch the ball behind the stumps. <laughs> I thought, I'm not that slow. Um, so yeah, started in in fifth grade in seniors with um, Mick Windlebourne. So that was our lowest grade. So the fifth grade was the lowest grade. And you would have been a young man then. Like, was that your young first fourth first senior game? First senior game down at Palm Beach with Mick Windlebourne, and uh, Mick Windlebourne brought down um, two like twenty kilo containers of chocolate, <laughs> like cooking chocolate. He said, "Here you go, kids. I got you some chocolate." <laughs> And so I remember me and Brad Carter eating this, this chocolate all day, and I felt crook, crook as a dog. And um, how much would that cost? I, I, think, I think he got it for free. I think, I think he got it for free. He must have got it for free from somewhere. You have to ask me if you can get him on here. But that is, I'll probably use that as my funniest cricketing memory later if you want to cut that one from this. No, that's, that's, that's quite okay. Yeah. Right. So, and so um, you started in fives and moved your way up. Yep. So I moved my way up. So it was me, Brad Carter. Um, it was mainly me and Brad Carter, but I, I feel like there were a couple of other boys in there. I don't think Mitch was old enough yet or was keen enough to play seniors. Corey Doolan was there. Um, if Brad's listening, Brad, I have a laugh. Eddie Yabsley played one senior game and then quit because um, he didn't get a goal or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, me and Brad Carter sort of moved up together. And I remember one of the more icier weeks. So me, me and Brad have gone from fists to fives. And we're on the door of fours, JM's fourth grade side. Uh, JM's third grade side, sorry. Knocking on the door of JM's third grade side. And um, so we're in. Who do you reckon gets dropped for me and Brad to come in? Parzo. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Parzo gets dropped for me and Brad to come the into the side. The was this the, the, the burn down the clubhouse? Uh, it, was a, it was around no, those times. Yeah. It was around the times that Beardy texted Parzo something abusive and Parzo was mopping the clubhouse at the time and it was like, oh, you know. <laughs> someone better get down here. So, someone better get down here because... Yeah. Um, but yeah, so emotions were running high. Emotions were running high. And to be honest, I didn't play much. I didn't bowl much between fourth... Fourth grade and third grade, um, mainly because of the great um, Terence Terence Doherty, was it Doherty or Doherty? And um, I think it was Pradeep Pereira was playing mm. in the third grade at the time, and Charlie Neen, the Candyman, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. So there's some great names that are floating around there. So I remember JM's team, and my first third grade game I remember is the famous Red Roof story, the uh, Red Roof oh, yes. and the Palm Trees with Dan Sexton and Chris Hallett. James held a little bit wrong. Yeah, the other Fix week. It up. Fix it up. So I remember we walked out, and me and Brad are nervous. It's our first survey game. We're on turf at Burley. And um, I remember going out there, and it's like, all right, boys, bring it in. Um, all right, so here's what we're going to do today. Hallett, you're going to bowl from this end because it's a red roof. They might, lose, they might lose it in your hair and the ball. Sexo, <laughs> the palm trees. You're nice and tall. Get it up there. You might get into the palm trees. All right, boys, let's go. I reckon they put on 250, 300 early, which is not a good win yet. I didn't bowl, so I didn't bowl, and I batted ten. So an old school, an yeah. old school apprenticeship, yeah. Yeah. especially in those grades, uh, fourth, fours, and thirds. And um, I remember coming out to bat, and another funny moment was I come out to bat at ten. Um, I think Brad was ahead of me, and Brad got out, and then in walks Charlie Name, and I remember Josh Mitchell being at square leg, and Josh goes, "Mate, Charlie can seriously bat, so stick around here, mate." And you know, he's not bad. He's not bad. I, I, I didn't think he gave him too much credit. But he said he wasn't bad, 
And the first ball, Charlie runs straight down the wicket, <laughs> missed it by about a foot, stumped, and I've just stood down the other end, and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, why yeah. am I playing cricket <laughs> on a Saturday? I don't recall Charbel being particularly good at the bat. So, so James is a bit jealous. Yeah, so, so maybe sold him a bit short there. Mm. And then my stay in third grade again was quite short, and then I moved up to second grade, and I... Was there a performance that accelerated no, you? But no. this, was, this was also an era where the, the club wasn't very strong at all. Like, uh, was second grade was still the, we did have a first grade at this time. Yeah, we had but, a first grade, so. but there wasn't a lot of wins going on across sure. the board. No, so, so potential then picked on potential. Picked on potential. I, I didn't really bowl too much. And I remember, uh, I think it was Conrad. I think Conrad was captain at the time, and I think they had a few captaincy changes around the time that I played. But Conrad was the main bloke that pushed and said. You know, we need to take this kid from, you know, and Brad. I think Brad come. I might have been first, and then Brad come a couple of weeks after, and and because um, Brad was bowling, I wasn't. So and Conrad said, "Give him to me in second grade, and I'll bowl him." Mm. And I think I ended up. I played about five or six games. You'll have to have a look. And I, I, I think I took like ten or twelve wickets in that in that short period of time, and um, earned promotion to first grade. So got all, all in, the, in the one year. Yeah. All in the one, one year. Season. And this is the first it's first season I've ever played a cricket. So <laughs> my obsession and my you know my hard work had been I've nice. gotten the fruits of it. <laughs> so well, at least I thought I'd gotten the fruits <laughs> of it. I remember I remember finding out Thursday night from Beardie. Beardie came up and shook my hand and congratulated me because I come back to the clubhouse every Thursday. And I got my first grade cap. This doesn't happen very often. I got my first grade cap from Ken Trembar. The oh, original, wow. wow. The, yeah, the, I've the, never met him or seen him. Yeah, so, yeah. so he was here for a, a president's lunch. I think they had a president's lunch in here. And it was me. And by this time, Taylor and Hayden Robinson mm-hmm. and their father, Mark. Uh, Mark Robinson, they all debuted in the same week that I did. So it was four wow. debutantes, second last game of the year. Wow. Yes. So uh, and I remember Ken Trembar was coming into the chamber and just before we go out, shaking my hair, give you, he said, good luck, you know, you very special. Him, yeah, enjoy it and you come back out here and ate this chicken in salad and <laughs> watch me get belted around the park. <laughs> I think I bowled three overs or four overs, none for 36. <laughs> I think it was mine. I got zero, not out of one. Um, yeah, a drop catch caught behind and a missed stumping. Who was the keeper? And um, Jane Arman, I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Flapped on it like a fish. <laughs> so he did, Nick hit him in the chest. He dropped down. I remember him flapping on top of it. Batsman was halfway off. He turned around, you know, a bit of mail on that. But, you know, you get a picture of it. And I just thought this is, you know. Again, why am I playing Yeah. And I remember sitting up there batting and we were struggling to bat. And Betty coming at five. And um, I remember Rhino. Because Rhino was the only person I knew in the team. I didn't know anyone else. I knew Nick Williams actually. Nick Williams was playing first grade, but we weren't we weren't that close. So Ryan leads over, leans over to me and says, "Oh, Beardy's our best buddy, mate. You know, we'll hopefully we'll put on a few here. Beardy got golden, golden <laughs> first, first, first rock. So and then Ryan looks at me and says, "Now we're in trouble." And gets up and goes off to pad up, and I'm sitting there shaking, thinking, "Oh, you know, this couldn't get any worse." So I the se- the last game of the season after that I actually declined to play first grade, which is one of my biggest regrets mm. uh, in terms of cricket at this club. Um, yeah, I remember they saying you're in, and I told them I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I want to play second grade. I was a bit I was a bit annoyed because I um I didn't get a bowl and I turned down a first grade mm. opportunity, but then I got a, a dig second innings and I think I took four for, mm. so I was pretty happy. Why, looking back, why was it that you turned the, turned it down? It said play first grade that. Game. I probably I wasn't ready. I probably wasn't strong enough mentally as a cricketer, um, and I shirked the challenge. Now, it's, you know, if I had someone do that to me now, I'd be pretty annoyed at him. So, yeah. giving someone the opportunity, to play first giving grade someone that opportunity, and then them saying <laughs> no, I don't want it. You know, I look back now, and it's a, a massive regret of mine. But you're young, man. They would have been. 17, I yeah. think I would have been one of the youngest if I hadn't debuted with two blokes who were younger than me. <laughs> so. Moving on in your playing career, then you yeah tr- transitioned into more of a batsman, uh, played sort of fringe, fringe like first 11, ma- mainly second 11. Yeah, I so guess. I played a couple of first 11 games as a bat, which will come to a shock as a few people, come to a shock to me as well. I think you were the power hitter that Bernie had on. Yeah, so I, I batted about six or seven in the year that they lost the semi final. Mm, so the year, that's 20 in the second grade. I yep. played in you know, second grade and I played about uh, four or five games. I think it was me, Cobb, and Matt Gillette were playing for the same spot. And I think Cole, I was at the start of the year 
And obviously Gillette was better than sorry, Cobb, but um, <laughs> Gillette was better than both of us. Mm. So whenever Gillette was available, he'd come in. Mm. You drop back, and I drop back. Like, you know, I remember getting a couple of choose at about three at Logan one week and got a wow. third baller, fourth baller, um, and I got a couple. Of, I hit a couple of boundaries, but nothing. But you were solid enough in the second eleven side of things. Like you, you uh, sort of would average sort of that fifteen to 15 twenty. Fifteen to twenty, yeah. batting sort of. I think I batted four, which is mm. you know now mm. you think about it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but um, that was just you know something that Helms I had at that period was opportunity. Mm. You know, and you, you're starting to see the fruits of it a little bit now. Yeah, with you know and stuff. Yeah, you know those that young core of players. You know, they've had the opportunity, and I had that opportunity as well. You know. Granted, I wasn't a batsman. I don't know. Well, the, the best innings I reckon I saw you play was uh, Mudraba when uh, the team, we, I was in the side as well, and we got rolled for 86 on that second wicket, uh, which isn't particularly good. And I think you made 40 not out and you'd busted your ACL or something like that. And you, so. so I'd played footy the year before and I'd, I'd torn my ACL. And uh, being on the public system, I'd have to wait a while and I thought, oh, I can still play cricket. So I heavily taped, I had my knee every week. And about four or five times that year, I had turned the it had slipped out and blown up. So, but I couldn't do any more damage to it, the ACL obviously because it was in half. But you know, my 19, 20 year old brain told me that I'd be fine, where I probably had done more damage, you know, by yeah by playing. But um, yeah, I do remember that innings. I got to about twenty, and then I hurt my knee. I hit a boundary, went to touch my bat down the other end, turned around, and my spike stayed in the ground. And my knee went out, and I remember coming off, and we lost a couple of quick wickets. So I taped it up, and I went back out there, and I hit a couple of boundaries. And yeah, I do remember that. that was that was not a bad knock. <laughs> good, if good I knock. say so myself, <laughs> if you you dug in there, and then but yeah, so then you yeah you you ended up yeah bouncing way down the grades, down to sixth grade. Uh, well, I guess it's a good opportunity to talk about some of those. Uh, mm, well, that that great, particular yeah. Oh, 2011-12, actually. Yeah. You've got here that you've got a hat trick in sixth grade, so you really bounced around a bit. Yeah, in so I got my um, plastering apprenticeship then. Or I was working as a plasterer, and I I lost the passion to play cricket. Mm. I did. I had no interest in cricket. I had more interest in having a beer with my mates, and hell, the boys at Helens were the only mates I had. <laughs> um, so I still wanted to be involved in cricket, but I didn't care. So I stopped coming to training, and I and I and I'm a bloke that needs to train. Mm. So. Um, yeah, I just slipped down the grades and I think I was in fourth grade and I wasn't bowling and I remember one day, I think Sexwell was the captain, he told me I wasn't batting either, so I was 12th man, which sounds pretty tough, but, you know, I probably didn't care. Mm-hmm. So I said, bugger this, and I went to sixth grade and showed up at the sixth grade game to watch and they were short and I think I took a couple of wickets, but I, I was not interested and they got me on to play because I was there. Yeah. And then the week after, I think they just put me down there and I took five up. Oh. Um, so talk us through that day. Uh, from memory, I, I remember the wickets for the hat trick, but I don't remember the wickets beforehand. I remember a couple of the players playing. I remember Dave Horton was keeping. I remember Barry Turner was actually umpiring. So I don't know how <laughs> sixth grade. I don't know how they did. It was towards the back end of the yeah, year. They must have been up there. There was a lot house. of umpires. I think surfs were up there. I took five for thirty. I remember the the three wickets were bold, bold, stumped. Oh, so, Dave with the gloves? Yeah, yeah Dave. Yep. Charged my hat-trick ball. I remember a young fella. Charged your hat-trick ball? Yeah, I remember a young fella was at square leg and uh, didn't want to give it out. But, you know, big, scary Hordo. <laughs> yeah, it was He was a long way out, too. He was a long way out. But, you know, young, young kids yeah. square-legging in senior cricket, they put under a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen men come along with it. I've in sixth grade to send a few. Uh, <laughs> let alone oh. a child. And, you know, you know yourself, Gil, you know, this excuse of I don't know how to square leg, I don't know how to score, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not good enough. So, how'd you go? How'd you go? How'd you go? So, they probably sent the Junkrow to square leg and he's cracked himself. Could have been his dad for all I knew, but I got him out. And uh, Barry turned around to step in, and you know, there was a grade that was out, and I'd already been celebrating. I was, yeah. I was up and gone. Oh, it was packed once high, I think I was up, you know, the brick wall, I was up, I was up the back of that cheering. So, I was very happy with myself to the five from there. I think I would. We we that we played the same team the week after in sixth grade, right? And I took four for again, so and they weren't too happy to see me again. <laughs> but um, and what were you still looping it up back then? Or you no, I was I was a lot quicker by that stage. Yeah. So I'd um yeah I was bowling darts, still am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no mistakes. Um, and then yeah, so moved gradually up, and I know 
it was yeah you were playing you were, you were meant to I think you were in line when Westo was ca- uh, president at the time and I think you were in line to be captain of third grade and then all of a sudden you got plucked sort of into the into the ones or or like you know it became clear that you, yeah you could so be that all back. happened in the off season I um, you know as you know being very popular around the club <laughs> at the time I I assembled a team to play winter cricket mm. a team that was you know. And we thought it was very good. You know, it was Westo. Jack Lickus had come to the club. It was his first... I think he'd done a first year at the mm. club. Um, and then he was with us. Uh, Zippar, Berkey, Sean Riddell, mm. Ben wow. Harris. Um, a couple of JM. JM, JM loves me cricket. I think... No, maybe... No, because Ben... That was the year that Ben had a lot of dramas with his body. Oh, I think yeah. he took it off. He had major surgery on yeah. yeah. It was some part of his body. Yeah. yeah, and this is around sort of 2016 time. I think. Yeah, yeah, so... And... <clears throat> I had done that with the intention of reigniting my spark of cricket mm. and, you know, me thinking that I deserved to bowl more because I was playing third grades at bat and I thought I deserved to bowl. There was mm. blokes bowling and I thought, I, uh, you know, yeah. not to blow my own, but no, I'm, no, better, no. I'm better than that. Yeah. You know, I'm better than that bloke. I can yeah. do better, you know. And I was down and I re- sort of rediscovered my passion. I was yeah. down at the nets bowling again yeah. and I was a bit annoyed at the system because mm. my captain never come. To training to watch it, yeah. Or showed up to training for ten minutes before the end and just stood at the back. And yeah. you know, me being a young fellow, he probably worked. He probably had a, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't understand that. I just thought, oh, no one's down here watching me bowl. Yeah. You know, why aren't I getting the opportunity? You know, put me down the grade where I can get a bowl and mm-hmm. work my way up again. So I thought, oh, we're create one opportunity. So, <laughs> so yes, I put this team together, and with the intention of. I, I didn't pick another spin-off with you. <laughs> of me bowling just all the spin-overs. <laughs> so, and I did. And I bowled a lot of overs that year. I think mm. I, t- I took the most wickets, I think. Mm. So that was that. And then that got me to my to the next season and mm. I was ready to go. I bowled about, uh, you'd have to look at stats, around 100 overs, taking maybe 20 wickets. So I was pretty happy with myself. And, mm. um, yeah, I thought, I, I put my hat in the ring to captain because I thought, you know, if I can captain again, I did such a good job in winter, then I can give myself that opportunity mm. as well as, you know, everyone thinks they can do a better job than the last one. Yeah. You know, that's a classic, you know, conception of any sport really, yeah. Yeah. that they can do a better job than the last bike. And, you know, me being a young fellow, I thought I could. So I put my hat in the ring and I played a couple of trial games. And I remember I got a couple of blokes out of decent, um, mm. you know, standard. I think I got, I think I got Caleb out. And I sort of thought, oh, you know, maybe I can, you know, I'd bowl, I was bowling a lot in the, mm. in the preseason. I, I'd gotten to that stage where I'd worked out that I need to bowl lots mm. to get my accuracy. I'm not going to turn it, so I need to be the most accurate bowler mm. at the club. Yeah. That was my mantra, you know, that I'd worked out. I was just accurate. I love bowling a left-hander, so any time a left-hander come out, I'd always be targeting on. Yeah. The captain, it was a trial game, or it was Jack, mm. to have a bowl at the left-hander because I wanted to crank at the left-hander. And, um... Yeah, I remember the last trial game, I think we were playing someone, and I remember out the front of the clubhouse, I remember coming up to Westo, or I think it was Westo, or even Mud, I think it might have been, and I said, I'm removing myself as, ca- as a captaincy candidate, I'm going to try and play first grade. And I, it was Mud, actually. I remember Mud saying, oh, that's the, that's the right decision. And yeah, I was back in. Mm. So I, I'd, I'd been picked for round one, because Jack mm. Baird was away. So Jack, the number one spinning spot was held by Jack mm. as a young, talented cricketer. And I'd taken that. Like yourself? You know, well, like myself back in the day. <laughs> Jack probably had a little bit more talent than I did. He still does. Um, so I had, you know, and the, the the thought around the club was that I'm just holding Jack's spot until yeah. he can come back. And I'll go back down to second grade and then, you know, people probably have tickets on me to fall, fall back down the grades. Mm-hmm. But um, I, wanted, I wanted it more than I'd ever wanted it before mm-hmm. and I'd wanted to work hard and that showed in my cricket in the first four rounds. I remember my first, I called my comeback game to first grade. I took four for 80 off 20 overs or something like that. Wow. Maybe four for four for 80 off 19. I'm not yeah. sure. But who, I got who was this against? Palm Beach. Is this the Jarrett game? So yes. Sam Jarrett game. Do you know that? Uh, no, no, please. The, the vid- that's a video yeah. that Rowan put the Titanic music to. <laughs> have you not seen that video? So that's an, that was an iconic Helms Eye video mm. for many years. I used to have a few beers and tag with my mates in it. <laughs> Um, and it's you obviously taking it with you. So, yeah, so we'd struggled in the first session. I was so pumped to come back up. I was so pumped to put that baggy green back on my head yeah. and go out and play. And um, I remember thinking, oh, Rhino, you know, Ryan's a gun. Ryan will get a couple of early wickets in. Nah, dropped it. We dropped a couple of catches early. Yeah. 
uh, we, could, we couldn't get a wicket and then they threw the ball to me so I got my opportunity to come on and bowl. And I'd hit around a little bit at the start but then I got a wicket, I got one of the openers out and I thought, oh, you know, how good is this? I carried on a bit, as I do. Yeah. You know, yeah. He'll probably have come to know that I carry on a bit <laughs> when I get blokes out. So I carried on. I was very excited, you know, my hard work. I finally got in the wicket. Finally got in a first grade wicket. Yeah. And then it was the next ball or two balls later, um, the number three, who was a good up-and-coming batsman who had shown, shown some form. So, and then he shoulder arms to me, being a left-hander, and the, he didn't know that I didn't turn the ball, so the ball went straight on and smashed in the stumps, and I ran off and carried it's on. It's like an Imran Tahir kind of, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, so I thought I'd got my, my voice back into the game, here we go. Yeah. And and little do I know that we made two, 200 and something the week before, and that wasn't enough. They chased it, and I was pretty flat, because I thought we could, do, as a bowling yeah. unit, we could defend 200, but... We couldn't. I think I ended up with four for eighty, which is pretty expensive for an over in a two day. But I was just happy to get four wickets and, you know, be back. And that was when I sort of knew that I was good enough, that I could be good enough if I worked hard enough. So I continued to work hard and, and yeah, when Jack came back, Jack didn't get the he. I come on before Jack, which was, you know, yeah, which is a good sign of things to come. I think for the club, if you know, we weren't waiting for an eighteen year old kid to come back from England so we could. Yeah. Our bowling could straighten back up. It was yeah. sort of he come he come he come back yeah. and played. Had to work for his spot. Yeah, yeah, had to work for his spot a little bit and play his role. And you know, Jack probably never took that spot back off me until mm. the year before I left, halfway through the year I left. Mm. So that pushes well into the 2017-18. Um, probably one of the most successful seasons that we've had in recent years. So this is where we made it to the grand final. Um, so talk to us about. Were you a lot of we've had some people on that have chatted about that Mamulumbar weekend and how that really set up the tone for the season. Um, and I know you would have been involved in at least from the bowling side of thing because we decided to go in with a very spin heavy attack, which you were part of. Yeah. Um, so was that your idea? Was that a Beatty idea? Or I think that was just uh, that was definitely a Beatty idea. Like Beatty gets a lot of credit on the podcast, and it's well deserved. He's a you know great. Was a great mentor of mine when I went into coaching was when I was a player as well. Um, and Betty sort of had this idea that if we could slow them down at the start, you know, with, and with our pressure with the bat, if we could slow them down with the ball, Danny would be able to come on and they'd be in a rush and Danny's the most likely way to take wickets if we're in a rush. Yeah. So I basically, my, jo- my job in that side was to bowl eight overs for as little runs as I could and get a couple of wickets. And you would open some. Open the bowl, uh, every week yeah. I opened the bowling. There wasn't a week that I didn't open Wow. From memory, um, yeah, it was an so it was a fun year. It was a fun year. We had a lot of different things that year, and you know they could have not worked, and we could have looked like idiots. But you know, to be his credit, he put in the work, and we we believed as well. We we had belief in the system, and it worked. Yeah. To treat. yeah. So obviously, you contributed a lot on the field, but I mean as well. You were part of that kind of, uh, you know, you were, I think, vice-captain, Jack was captain, Betty was coach, you were sort of the trio, and, like, yeah, what was that like just to be part of that? It was a really exciting time for the club and to, to run, get that run through to the final. And So for the first half of the year, I wasn't involved okay. as much. And uh, Jack didn't really have a vice-captain, so it was sort of Betty, you know, and Betty, Betty did a lot of the talking to Jack on the field, and then Jack got injured, mm. and we... You know, who do we go to? And the, the the what's the word? The automatic response is that we look to Betty. Yeah. But Betty had decided that that we need someone someone else. And Rhino had obviously tried a couple of years before, and we had a lot of young fellows and a lot of boys and hadn't had that experience. You know, in first grade, I didn't even play a season. So yeah. A season and a half. So I wasn't that experienced, and they gave me the opportunity, and I got the opportunity to captain the club that I. Played juniors that so I was yeah, you know special. that was pro- that's probably the highlight I reckon of my cricketing career. There isn't too much you know achievements in there you know because I'm you know an honest toiler would be the way I describe <laughs> myself. Um, you know so captaining the club that I played first of first grade that would probably be the biggest achievement I've ever had as a cricketer. Mm. So it was an honour. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. We didn't lose too many games. I was captain. We snuck out of a couple. Um, and yeah, it was good fun. And then when Jack come back, we were primary for finals. We we cemented our spot in the top four, and it was good to have Jack back because Jack was a good leader. Do you have many memories from that finals series? I suppose the semi and then the final. The semi was I remember the boys teeing off early, Youngie and Ben, 
And I just remember it being an all-round batting performance. It was exactly what we talked about in the preseason. It was these boys get us off to a good start, and then our I think their squad was Nerdlers. Our Nerdlers come in in the middle and towards the end, and knocked them around and went at five or six and over. It was a perfect. We'd executed our plan to a team in the semi-final, mm-hmm. and then we'd come out and the bowlers were confident. We we knew what we had to do, and I think I only got one for. I think I got Reese McDonald. I don't think it was out. I think it hit his forearm, and the umpire gave it out, caught behind, and and. <laughs> You let me know about it. I let him know about it. So uh, that was good. I remember I remember Rhino had a good start with the ball. I don't remember too much after that. It was a bit of a blur. I just knew that we were it, in. It happened pretty quickly, yeah. It happened pretty quick. I just knew we were in. When they were 5 or 16, I just knew we were in the grand final. And that's an mm-hmm. amazing feeling to have. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing feeling coming off the afterwards. And it was an amazing feeling that night. You know, the, the experience of winning a semi against, you know, no, no one had given us a hope yeah. in that game. You know, people will say, oh, we saw him coming. They didn't. Yeah. No one gave us a hope. So, Brody were the hardened, the experienced, the, you know, but we we were the, we were their bogey side. So, mm. we got a sniff and we took it. So, and then the grand final, I don't have too many memories of. Mm. It was a tough day. I remember Link bowled well. I remember Linking bowled well for our fifth bowler to come and bowl well was a good thing. I, I think I bowled all right. I think I bowled seven overs, none for 18. So, Again, open the bowling. I think that's you know that was my job. I would have liked a wicket or two, but they played me well. They come in with a plan to play me well. Mm. And then I don't remember the batting, to be honest. I remember someone getting hit in the head, but I don't remember much. Again, it was, it was, it was, it was sim- very quick. It was, it was very similar quick. to. Yeah, it's almost the, the opposite, right? Yeah, it was very quick. Yeah. And it was very quickly, the game slipped away from us. And yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you've held various roles at this club: uh, curator and junior vice president. But I mean, oh, yeah. We, We'll get that, into chronologically, I guess, you know, we'll get into the coaching. Uh, so it was about, I've got it written down here, it was about June 2018. And I was still hanging on as president waiting for, for the AGM, basically. But I, we were looking for a coach and uh, you and I had a chat and I was very grateful because I'd had, as much as I tried, I couldn't find a coach. And uh, you put your hand up and uh, you, you came to my, oh, I think you spoke to Lincoln first. And then you came to, to my house and uh, we had a bit of a chat and that laid the platform for... Uh, for you to become the Hawks uh, coach. So, yeah, it was a very – I remember at the end of the season, you know, I I wanted to do more. I wanted to be more of a leader. And I think over a couple of quiet beers at my house one afternoon, I think a few of the boys said, oh, you should coach next year. And I laughed it off and I was like, yeah, righto. And then as as it goes, the off-season, like, mm-hmm. like many for many clubs on the Gold Coast, that they put an application out for a coach and no one says anything. You know, no one gets back to them. Mm-hmm. And we try and we try and we try and we go to we go to Brisbane, we go to, you know, Tweed, we look we look everywhere. No one no one puts their hand up to coach. And I I remember saying to him, I said, Oh, you found a coach yet? And he's like, No, no, no. And I thought, well, you know, here's my opportunity to get involved and do more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd established myself as a first grade cricketer. I was you know, I was good enough to to play, you know, why can't I help create the environment to win a premiership? Mm-hmm. So I put my hat in the ring and I know that, like, yeah, it was a learning process because, yeah, I guess, yeah, you had always been sort of the class, class clown. I mean, a gradual process. You'd always been sort of the class clown, but uh, you'd kind of gain people's respect. But at the same time, I know it was difficult to coach your mates. Yeah, I gained a lot of respect on the field. I was still a bit of a larrikin off the field, and I still am. That's just me as a person. But I was definitely a tearaway as a young fella mm-hmm. at this club. This club, I can imagine Connor, Anway, Parker, um, Elmsy. Um, they would have had a few meetings about me when I was a young fella because I just, I was trouble. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I still probably had that rep of being a little bit of a class clown, a little bit of an idiot, mm-hmm. but um, I was looking to shake that and um, take the coaching role on. I don't know if I did shake it. Um, I, I felt like I, I did my role as a coach, but I didn't do any more. Um, I, I should have done more on reflection. I should have, you know, I should have worked a lot harder and by the end of it, I was exhausted mm-hmm. and my mates, you know, the people that I thought were going to help me and were going to be good were not. And the people that I thought were going to be tough were really good. Mm-hmm. So it was a I, interesting... I feel like you, I remember you saying like Berkey was yeah, someone I remember, that was good. Oh, I really, I thought to myself, I thought, oh, how, is, how am I going to get the respect of someone like Berkey and Rhino and blokes like that, you know, who have played first grade for so many years and taken so many wickets and been so accomplished. How are they going to respect me? But, you know, it was instant with them. They were fantastic. And it was blokes like Ben, Ben Daly, who, you know, 
we just had open conversations about where he wanted to play and he was really transparent with me and it was really good. But it was the, you know, it was the people around me that um, I couldn't control. Mm. And, and that's like, that's a normal thing. Even like, I know you see it at NRL and AFL level that when like, you know, uh, a player steps into the coaching that team soon after, like there's usually like they have difficulties. Like it's a normal thing at any level, I think. Yeah. So it was difficult for me in that respect and my mates, you know, and, and it affected us on field. We weren't as good on field uh, the second year, you know, and we it was always different tough. format as well. Different format, different group of players. We'd lost Danny, we'd lost Tyson, um, and me being a young coach, I got um, put in a preconceived idea so I could just plug in the same thing that happened last year and it'd work again. Mm. So I run with um, Ben Daly and David Young, who were out of form in the preseason. They'd admit that. Um, I think Youngie's got the Olympic rings tag for six bucks in the preseason. <laughs> um, so I just thought, oh, we'll just plug it in and it'll be, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And we'll do the same thing again. I'll open the bowling and we'll be all right. Because we didn't really have another scene we had. Harry wasn't ready yet. Um, who else did we have? It was basically Ryan and Berkey, wasn't it? Was it was Ryan and Berkey. Berkey had come back. So Berkey had been in twos for the grand final year and he'd come back because we needed him. And um, I'd got... Uh, James and Sam Cooper over thinking that I could get a scene out of Jimmy Cooper and unfortunately I couldn't. So, yeah, and I remember Jack being injured for the start of the year again. So mm-hmm. I, I it was it's very different. Out, it was very different. And I was captain of the side because Jack was injured mm-hmm. and we didn't win a game until Jack come back. We won. The first game Jack come back, he might claim it as his win, but Caleb scored a ton. So I can't really give it to Jack. And I, I don't think anyone scored 50 when I was captain. So, <laughs> um, but you're right though that... Um, yeah, we, we did basically roll the same strategy or tactics into the start of the year, but then we actually, you were, I guess it would have been you, you, that uh, we kind of like tore it down and started again. Like, and that's, yes. that's what laid the foundations, I guess, um, for probably going about things in a more traditional way, batting-wise. So halfway, about six weeks in, I realised, and, you know, something that I've learned as a coach now is you need to be a able to adapt mm-hmm. and I needed to adapt and I needed to adapt quick and Betty was still around and Betty was wanted to help but you know man I didn't really want Betty's help mm-hmm. you know I, I talked to Betty don't get me wrong I still talked to Betty and asked it, but I wanted to be you it's know mine it was yeah. my journey you know and Betty still to this day is a good mentor of mine and and you know a good friend but I wanted to do my own thing so I thought you know we worked we sat down we worked out how we could you know do things better and I remember Harry Lucas had started the season quite well, so we gave Harry an opportunity up the order, and now he's taken that. And mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't bowling as much back then. He was he was bowling a little bit, but he wasn't he wasn't a bowler. He was a you know he was our fifth bowler probably. And who else was it? Jamie Saunders as well. Mm-hmm. We brought Jamie Saunders up because he'd be kicking around third scoring runs, but no one ever I never met him, so <laughs> never come to training. So mm-hmm. I I, di- I didn't really know who he was, and um, so we brought those two guys up and in. Um, I dropped out of the side, so once Jack had come and established himself again, I was out of form because I was uh, partly focusing on coaching too much, not giving myself enough time to prepare in the nets, and probably my off-field choices led to me being dropped and taken out of the side. That was my own decision. Jack, if we, if we probably talk to Jack and say, I, I probably should have stayed. I probably It was me that pushed myself out. I didn't yeah. want to be there. And I think someone in twos had gotten injured, the captain of twos. I don't know who the captain of twos was, but they were injured or out. And so I went down and captained, which, again, was another wrong decision. I shouldn't have done that. Um, that was tough again. Not a lot of... We didn't have good depth that year because we'd taken those boys, Harry and Saunders, up. Replace them with yourself. And replace them with me. Dice came up for me, so Dice was playing well. And Dice was killing it in twos, and then we brought him up. And that was another reason why I got dropped. Dyson mm-hmm. was the next spinner and I was not playing good cricket. So that's that's the way it rolls. And um, so I went down to twos and I captained the side. And I tried to put them on a straight and narrow because I felt like they were, you know, as a as an outsider looking in. Because, I'm, you know, obviously I'm not an outsider, but I'm not in that team. So I'm, trying to, I'm yeah. not there every Saturday. So I'm trying to look and see what can I do? What, how can I make this better? Because a lot of young fellas, they didn't have too much leadership. And I thought, if I go down there and I jump in there and captain and straighten us up, you know, give us someone that can bowl 20 overs in a two-day hour um, and bat a little bit, then, then yeah, we'll, we'll be all right. And I found out I was wrong. Um, again, they struggled to 
what's the word? I struggled to get on board with what I wanted to do. So I wanted to warm up like first grade. I wanted to prepare like first grade. I wanted them to act like first graders. So if they did, because they were young fellas, if they did get that opportunity to go up first grade, they were experienced, they were ready to go. You know, was that the right decision? I don't know to do that to them. Um, it obviously didn't work. I didn't have the respect of the group. So, um, so yeah, it was tough. Mm. And I remember going back up for a game and getting hit around. I still think I took 25 wickets for the year in, in, in the combination of the two. So I think mm. I took nine in first grade and then whatever the rest is in second Two's, grade. Yeah. So I still had a good season stat-wise, but I wasn't. It was a tough year for me, tough, tough year. So looking back, um, let's go, what would be one, like maybe the most significant challenge through, through that coaching year and then the most, like the most significant thing that you're really proud of during that time? Uh, coaching my mates would have been the toughest thing and um, having to deal with different personalities around the club is definitely tough. You know, I had some good leaders in the lower grades and there was some stuff going on in fourth grade because Ben wasn't captaining but as you know, if Ben's in the side, Ben is controlling what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was tough in that respect. Selections were tough. I, I didn't think Sam deserved to be in the side, but Jack did. So that was a very tough mm. time. Um, and yeah, that was that was that was tough. My mm. mates, my mates having to. Drop my mates. Yeah, and definitely. I know the boys thought it would, was easy for me to drop Sam, but it was, it was so tough. Yeah. You know, it was terribly challenging for me to tell Sam, my best mate at the time, that it's not. A, I've dropped you, mate. I, mm. I don't think you're good enough. You know, that's so hard for me to do. Here's what you need. and I remember dropping him. I remember having that conversation with him. I didn't say I don't think you're good enough. I, I said, here's what you need to work on. Here's what you know. Here's what we want you to go back to. And he went and did that the next week. He went and got seven, sixty. And I remember getting berated at the clubhouse because I told you he could do that. You know, I knew I knew he had that in him. I knew that was his next knock. Well, it might not have been in first grade. Yeah. So that was tough. That that having to deal with that environment was tough. My mates and um, yeah, really enjoying the chat with Dylan Sheriff. We'll get back to him very soon. But for now, we are going to look back at last week's episode with life member Ian Wade Parker. I guess it's probably the thing that I'll keep on hyping about too is the history. You know, you look at this clubhouse and you look at that honour board there of all those people that put in all those hard yards for all those years before and to see that just roll over and die was something, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, we had to change the way we operated. And that first year I came back, um, I spoke to the club executive and said, look, I'm not taking an official position on committee. I'll come in basically as an executive officer, but what I say goes mm-hmm. in regards to our finances, our operations. I said, I won't get involved in the day-to-day operations of the club and the, you know, the cricket side of it. Do yeah. cricket side <clears throat> of it, but let me be the club administrator, put forward a plan, but what I say goes. That one was a really, really interesting episode. Make sure you go and listen to that one. For now, though, back to Sheriff. So my positive thing from coaching that year would have been um, the emergence of Harry Lickis was very good, and it's, it's the Hornsby's getting the fruits of that now, and they will for the next however many years. I, I obviously I can't claim that it was just through lack of good players that Harry yeah. got an opportunity. Um. Something else that was good. Uh, Caleb's time was good fun watching out here against Bay. I was really wrapped for Caleb. Caleb, that yeah, Caleb and Harry were probably my two um, favourite moments of the year because you know Caleb had worked hard and you know it's confidence. Those boys are all about confidence. They come in with so much pressure on them as young fellas into the side, and you know it's hard to perform when you've got that. You know, Betty talks about Harry in the back of your head. It's so hard to concentrate and. and Focus on your role when you've got that bloke in the back of your head saying, "Oh, you, you know, you're too young, you're not good enough to be in this side." You know, you haven't scored any runs in a while, and I know the boys ripping a Jack Bear. They did until he scored his first fifty and K, but you know that's probably not a good environment to put those boys in where we're constantly heckling them. And I'm, a, you know, I was one of those boys that had jumped on the bandwagon and given a bit of slack. But you know, a couple of years on now, being a little bit more older and mature, probably not a good thing to do for those young fellows. Put in that environment. So to see Caleb. You know, break the shackles and come out as a genuine bona fide batsman and 
to this day is the most consistent batsman in this comp. Mm. You know, that, that was pretty cool. Mm. Absolutely. Well, yeah, so the, the next phase, I guess, uh, it's obviously you know, it had been a tough year. The probably things off the field as well, and it came to a point where you decided it was time to start fresh. Yeah, for, so for 20, the next season, which was a very very tough year for me mentally and and physically. My body was getting worn out from playing so many seasons of cricket back to back. Yeah, I was I checked out probably about three weeks before the start, end of the season. I was just yeah, I just had enough. So. Um, I, I sat back at the end of the year. I remember having a chat with Cobb saying that I, I'm not going to be coaching next year. I remember having a chat with Mud and saying I'm not going to be coaching next year. Um, and then I think they come to me again and said, are you sure you don't want to coach? You know, we're going to... And they sat down with me and I was like, no, I'm not sure. And they said, well, we get... I remember Mud saying we're going to go out and explore our options. Mm. And um, I remember saying to Mud, well, you know, I might explore mine as well. Like, mm. you know, tongue-in-cheek, not... Yeah. Not really meaning it. And the day after the season finished, I had a call from um, Jake at Benogan Valley Cricket Club. Mm. And um, he said, mate, you know, we were interested. We're looking for a coach. We're looking to forge into the Gold Coast comp and we, we want a young coach that's going to be here for the next 10 years. And I sort of said, oh, you know, maybe. I said, let me think about it. I said, we'll catch up for coffee and mm. we end up going and having half a dozen beers and talking a bit of crap. And then I went away... Um, and this was the Force Boys were still in finals, so mm. but I wasn't required to coach because they were doing their own thing for a long time. Um, and I remember, I, I think word had gotten out that Benogan had approached me, and I think a few of the boys sort of gave me a bit of crap about it, saying, Oh, you didn't really get an offer, but you know, you're not going anywhere. Mm. Um, that sort of was the moment where I thought, I, I can't be here anymore, mm. you know. My, I wasn't enjoying the person that I was. I wasn't enjoying the company, not the company that I was keeping, because I enjoyed the company I was keeping. I still am friends with them, but I was creating an environment that was not not one that you wanted to be in. So I thought the best thing for me to do is to remove myself from that environment. Mm. And um, so I did. So I rang Benogan. After Fours finished, I waited till Fours finished. And Jake and I told him that I was in. Mm. What was your relationship with Jake before? So Deno had got me to play a winter career game with them and um, I played a few winter career games with them and then they qualified me out for finals and I'd um, won a grand final with them in winter cricket. But other than that, I had talked to Jake three or four times. Mm. And then as a club at that stage, Benogan was had junior teams, but no, nothing. That was their, they squad. just finished their first year. They right? just finished their first year. So I started the year with one fourth grade team. Yeah. Halfway through the year, they added a fifth grade team. No juniors. Right. They, I think they had a bit of minor cricket. And they were also playing oh, under tens. Had under tens. Sorry. Sure. And they were also playing winter, which is where you played yes. with them. Yeah. Yep. So. So yeah, and then it all happened pretty quick from there. I decided that I was, you know, I needed to, I needed to leave. I needed to change, and I took on the job, and um. They they looked after me, you know, and gave me a, a nice offer and a nice package to get me across on the two year deal, and I liked the security of the two year deal, and I didn't even tell, you know, something that I, again I probably regret. I probably didn't even tell. I didn't tell Mud or Connor or anyone that um, I didn't tell them that I had had an offer. I'd already taken it, and I did give them the opportunity to counter it, counter it, or even you know, I, I just knew I needed to leave, and I probably didn't explain that right at the time, but. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I just I, sort of packed up and left. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, like I remember at the time understanding the situation. Like I was, yeah, I was totally okay. But I, I think Dave was. Uh, can't remember exactly. I'm, not, I'm sure that was probably a difficult conversation for you to have with Dave. Uh, but um, yeah, no, at, at the time I, I think I understood and I still understand now. But um, I, I guess this was a uh, something. I guess you know we spoke beforehand about the opportunity to clear some stuff up. First of all. The, the rumour was that you did get a five-year deal initially and you went, hey, hold on, boys, uh, two years. So, <laughs> so there, are some, there is some truth in that rumour. So I went to that meeting and Jake said, if you want a five-year deal, I will give it to you. And I thought to myself, geez, I said, do I want to get into bed for five years with a club that I've never played for mm. in my life? And I, don't, I didn't even know about it until, I didn't even know they played summer cricket until a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Not a week ago, I, I pondered more than that. It was probably about two or three weeks. So... Um, so I said, oh, I, I wanted to do one and then they wanted two. 
Well, they wanted three, I think. And then I said, oh, let's just make the meal. Let's just do two. So I'm, so I've got that, you know, mm. I, I can get in, I can do my thing. And if it's still not working again, I can retire. <laughs> so that decision, I guess, to leave the Hawks, really, really tough. Was there a moment um, that you were sort of by yourself at your maybe a night or something like that where you looked around and you said, if I continue on this path, it's not going to end well for me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my off-field stuff had started to leak onto the field, which is never good, you know. I remember Moose saying in our thing cricket um, sessions that you leave your stuff at the gate and it started to sink in, you know, it started to cross, cross swords. So... Mm -hmm. Um, there wasn't a moment in bed, but it was sort of, uh, yeah, I, I just decided over a, a week or two that my time at Helens, I was up for now and I needed to take another opportunity. And then I'm very, very grateful to Brogan. They've, mm. the club and the people there have reignited my passion to coach. And, you know, you probably saw that pretty quick in the off season after I signed, it was quick. I was, I was ready to get back into cricket and I'd made a lot of waves in cricket Gold Coast. I got to play. <laughs> Got a bit of slack for it, but I really enjoyed that off-season. That was something that I hadn't experienced at Owens because it was hard to get players to Owens but it, yeah. for some reason it wasn't hard to get them to Penoken. So what, what was your key strategy, I guess? So you get offered this role, you take it, and then you sit down with Jake and you say, what, what's our plan? What's, what's your plan? What's our plan? I created a five-year plan to get us to first grade and get us the infrastructure we needed to um, be successful as a club, to be a successful first-grade club. Um, and then um, TJ and I had a discussion and I knew TJ was leaving Burley, so sort of sold TJ the dream and told him all the things that we're going to do and how awesome it's going to be. And um, TJ agreed to come over with me and be my assistant coach. So we got him on the books. It was uh, TJ and myself. And um, then we went out and we got a heap of... So I got a heap of player sponsors to jump on board and I decided that, that here's who I need from various and I'm going to try and get them. Mm. So TJ was very helpful with that as well. He had a very influential. So it's obviously well documented that I took Youngie and Dice with me. Uh, I identified Youngie as someone that had struggled that year at Helmsville, but I knew how good he was. So mm. I gave him the opportunity to come over for free fees and um, play a sponsored fees and, um, and give me that. And Youngie scored the most runs for us this year. Mm. Didn't do what I thought he would do, but you know he did, a, he did enough to be a... Recognised batsman top ten, so and you said you got a bit of slack. That obviously the big thing was uh, a lot of rumours of uh, Benogan paying this, paying that. But uh, I know you, oh. you said that. Well, you can address that. Yeah, I can. I can squash them if you want. Um, we don't. We paid it myself. I was obviously paid as a coach, and, and TJ was paid paid as an assistant. Um, like I said, we got the six or six or seven player sponsors. I think. And that helped us bring over a, a new But it wasn't a like a matter board. of throwing No, there was no petrol money thrown around mm. like there is. I know Dyson <laughs> likes, to, likes to tell people that he did, but he definitely didn't get any petrol money. Um, and so what, what were you selling then? So if you're not selling, like if you're not saying, hey, we want you to come and invest here for money, what are you, what are you selling? An opportunity, an opportunity to forge your own, make a name for yourself. You know, the boys come in here and look up, look up at the honour board behind us and... Um, you know, so strive to be on that. That's where you want to be. You want to be a volunteer. You want to be a good player. You want to be a good club man. And if you're a good club man or a good club person, I should mm. say, you're up on that honour board, aren't you? Mm. You know, you look up on that honour board and there's so many good club people on there. You know, and I said to the boys, I said, you can, you know, here's your opportunity to do something. And, you know, some of them have come over and they've taken it and some of them have just come over and played cricket. But, mm. you know, the more guys we can get involved and, I think the more we can stretch the comp out, the better it'll be. So another team isn't too bad. The devil's advocate, I guess, would say that attitude of approaching players in the off-season is not something clubs should be doing um, for their own reasons. Like, what, what, do you, what do you think about that? If a that? club says they're not doing it, they're lying mm. to start with. Every club's done it, and I will continue to do it for Benogan, and anyone that says they don't is a liar, <laughs> in my opinion. Put it pretty, pretty yeah. straight. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, fair enough. That's part of the game. Yeah. You can offer people stuff. You know, whether it be money, whether it be opportunity. You know, to to move clubs and to you know, change your environment. And you know, it might work for someone, it might work for others. Sometimes I've got a great, you know, environment at this club, and I, I'll never, I'll never fault the you know the people at this club or the the volunteers or the environment they create. 
so in the culture. So they do a fantastic job, and it's obviously it's hard to pry people away from a good culture and a good club and a good on-field program. So mm. you do those three things, you're going to be you're not going to lose too many players. Yep. And so get to the end of the first year, you as in first year coaching Benogan, you, you were happy, you were so we pleased had, with what you did. We had our top four grades on in contention finals, I think. Helmsdale knocked us out in the fifth a couple of weeks before the end of the season, oh, yeah, which knocked absolutely. us out of the Yeah, they, they weren't very happy. I got a couple <laughs> of messages from, I think, Dan Croft saying, I said, I didn't reply. I'm, I'm bigger than that. They, they, weren't, <laughs> they weren't very happy about Tyson Fraser cleaning them up. Yeah, because so. I'd given them a debrief. It was a, that was a little bit of my own fuck, so I'd given them a debrief on who was going to be there and, you know, how I thought you could get them out. So um, our fours made finals, our threes finished on top in their division, and we just missed out on finals, so we'd finish fifth. Mm. Um, and that was a disappointment, us not making finals because we'd put, we'd put a team together that had the potentials to win a premiership. But again, the mental side of the game, they struggled with their preparation. Um, you know, there was, you know, things that happened in every team. It wasn't a, it wasn't a happy team at Benogan, to quote the, the song. Yep. song. So, um, so how, how was it? We're, we're getting close to throw it here, don't worry. But, uh, how, how was it coming back here to play against the Hawks? That was a, that was an interesting game. I was ready. I was mentally ready. But then when I didn't, I didn't think the boys would talk, I was like, come on, show my hand. But then they did, so that sort of thrown. <laughs> I was out there setting up warm up, and a few of the boys come up and shook my hand and said hello to me. And I was like, oh, you know, now I have to be nice. <laughs> um, so I remember we got skittled for not many. Um, and I remember I was sitting over with the first grade boys because they had the, the boy, mm. you know. And we lost a couple of wickets, and I walked off thinking, oh, I don't want to sit there anymore. <laughs> I walked out to bat, I got a duck, Rowan bowled me, I think I smacked one on my pads and rolled back on the stumps, and everyone thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I think we got rolled for about 80 or 90 or something yeah. like that. And um, I remember laughing as I, as the Helmsdale boys walked off, and I walked in my room because I said, oh, 15 too many, boys, um, with, with, all, with the intention of rolling them for less than 50. And uh, we were well on track yeah. until Berkey, who I listened to his podcast, he said he got he actually got dropped a couple of times. So that didn't come. Hit me for six too, which I was a bit. I, I think. I'll, yeah, uh, Helen Thor were about six of thirty, six of forty. Six of thirty. So me and TJ had ripped the guts mm. out of them, and, and then yeah, Rowan and Berkey came together. Yeah, Rowan didn't score many, and I was trying to get Rose head about being the hero, and he hadn't. It was very good from Rowan actually. Mm. Good, um, yeah, he saw something like five or fifty. Like, yeah, he was in a good mental state yeah. to bat. So um, I think my figures were three for. We'll take your word for it. Later, right? Yeah, three for eleven, off for eight or something like that. Would have felt good with a couple of drop catches. And I took the first three wickets, I reckon. So yeah. uh, I got us into the game. I got us back in the contest, and uh, I was letting the boys on the hill know about it, um, as I do. But um, Berkey was too good for us in the end, and. It was our problem all year. We didn't score enough runs. Yeah. So I went from a Helmsdale who struggled to score runs for so many years to they're, they're a fantastic batting team this year. Mm. And uh, I went to a club and they struggled to score runs again. So maybe Come it's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was very good to enjoy a beer with the boys after the game. It was good to see everyone come back to the club. And I still I still love the clubhouse. I still love you know the people that come back and the stories they tell. It's such a good environment here on Saturday night. Going to Benogan as a coach... Are there aspects of things that you appreciated about Helen's Vale culture, on-field stuff, off-field stuff, that you tried to take down there? Absolutely. There's a lot of things I've implemented at Benogan that uh, happen at Helen's Vale and still do happen. Um, you, you do that. You leave a club. You, you think that you can take all the good stuff and plug it in and it'll be good. And for the most part, it's worked, you know. I don't know what people think outside of the Beno- our Benogan, I call it the Benogan bubble, I don't think, I don't care what people think outside of it, as long as the people inside the bubble are happy and want to be there, and for the most part they are. So we might lose a few players in the off-season this year because of, you know, that we haven't gelled as a as a group, but if I can keep that bubble strong and I can keep the people inside it happy, then that's all I care about. Um, looking back at your time at Helen Fowl, um, what would you like to be remembered for, I suppose? Uh, I was always, you know, I, I, I'd hope to think that I was good to have a beer with and good to, you know, have a chat with. I love my cricket. I love being, you know, aggressive. And I love being in the contest. Um, it probably spilled out and I probably carried on a bit too much off the field. And um, But that was just me. Um, and I'm not, I'm 
probably never going to change, but I have changed a little bit. I've calmed down a little bit. Numb. <laughs> a little bit more tame now, but I will still get in the heat of the contest out in the, out in the middle of the wicket and let them know about it. But, yeah, I think I've calmed down a little bit. I'd like to think I have anyway. And so the, the, the key question, I guess, can you see yourself back here one day? I'm, I'm sure, obviously, you know, short term, obviously, well, for now, you're, you're committed to Bonoga. I, I think it sounds good that, you know, you never close the door completely. So I never will close the door completely, but I see it as something that probably won't happen in the next, in the short term. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, you know, never say never. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it's a nice cliche to get us into throwdowns. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's get into our throwdowns. So five questions we ask. Every guest, big fan of the podcast. I'm sure you have Every episode. Um, heard, heard plenty. Um, so, who is the best Hawks player that you have played with? Uh, Dyson Smith and David Young. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. Any others? Any others uh, that could <laughs> sneak in there? No, no, no. All right. I'll, I will give a bit of credit. I haven't heard his name mentioned too much on podcast when this question comes up, but I'm a bit disappointed. I reckon he would be too. I reckon Ryan Maloney was the best player I've ever played with. Hmm. I loved opening the bowling with him. He was a fantastic competitor. Him and me had a good rivalry. And, um, yeah, I love playing with Ryan. And Ryan, I think, will go down as one of the best cricketers ever played at this club. So he, he's my answer. Danny was a great bowler as well, but he gets mentioned every week. So <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> Just Ryan. Uh, best player you've played against, I guess? Uh, TJ Miller. <laughs> a lot of Benogan plugs going on A lot of Benogan. No, <laughs> Daily Miller. Um, oh, a lot of the boys have come out already and said Nick Peterson. Nick Nick was very uh, a very good bat, but a, a left-hander, so I enjoyed bowling to Nick. I don't know if I've got him. I might have got him once, but um, he, he was someone that I enjoyed bowling to. Someone that got me away a lot, um, Jimmy Spargo, hit me for a couple of runs. I think I got him out a couple of times as well, so... That's even. Simon Belson actually got me away a fair bit when we played, and I remember Simon coming down the wicket one day and telling me that he, um, he's he got my number. So he probably still does. <laughs> <laughs> Great. What about a plenty, mate? Plenty to choose from. But what about a funniest memory of your time here at the Hawks? Uh, there is plenty to choose from. My funniest memory, I reckon I really enjoyed the... Everyone knows about Steely's Halloween parties. Um, me and Rhino, we had a, we had a, or we all had a one day and the next day against Southport Labrador. And, um, I remember this was in our grand final year, by the way. Um, I remember we had a big night at Steely's for his Halloween party. Too big of a night. I remember we were up till about two or three o'clock in the morning on the, on the syrup. And, um, I remember waking Rhino up at about seven o'clock on the couch and saying, Rhino, we've got to get to cricket, mate. You know, we've got to get home. We've got to get some breakfast since we've got to get to cricket. And I... We, we rolled up, me and Ryan were still pissed, and um, we took seven for 18, opening the bowling together. Combined. Combined. I think Ryan took four and I took three, so it sounds fair if I say seven for 18. <laughs> um, and that was, that was the funniest moment, I reckon, on the cricket field. There's plenty of it. Uh, a favourite win for the Hawks? That's, uh, no, 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 se- no, 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 favourite win for the Hawks. <laughs> there isn't too many for no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> My best win, uh, Queens, that Queens game that everyone talked about so far, the Tyson Fraser last over is iconic. Uh, the semi-final. The semi-final again, the grand final is the best win I've ever been involved in, without, without a doubt. And lastly, mate, we really appreciate your time, but um, what is it about the Hawks that, I guess, kept you coming back for so long um, and even, you know, keeps you coming back, want to be involved, have a beer, join in the podcast? What, what do you love about the Hawks? Uh, the culture of the club, the, you know, anyone will have a beer with you, anyone will have a chat with you after a game. It doesn't matter what grade you play, it doesn't matter, you know, where you've played or what you've done. No one cares on a Saturday night. They just want to have a beer and a chat and talk about cricket or watch, the, you know, watch sport on TV and, you know, it's a great culture at this club. I will never fault the culture and the way that the club is run. Um, they do a fantastic job, but um, as long as they lose every time they play us, that'll be all right with me. You can win every other game except against us. So there you go. You can endorse us in the grand final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it will play you in the grand final. We have won a lot of games and we'll beat you. <laughs> It's great, mate. We really appreciate your time, Dill. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tilly. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Gee, that was uh, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun to uh, catch up with Dill and uh, relive some old stories and uh, hear that he's uh, he's going really well. So uh, yeah, no, uh, we Gilly and I both really appreciated his you know honesty and candor there. Uh, and um, yeah, hopefully everyone at home enjoyed uh, yeah listening to that episode. Next week on the Hawkcast, uh, we have another great guest for you coming in, uh, none other than Conrad Dixon. We have finally tracked him down. Conrad is, of course, a uh, longtime president of the club and a life member, and uh, yeah, he's got plenty of interesting stories to uh, to share. We won't uh, give anything away just yet, but uh, you can look forward to that one coming out next Monday. Until then, thanks again for tuning in.